0: Happy Easter, everybody. It's Liz, and here's the podcast lineup for Popping Callers in April 2021. We're opening our hearts and our minds to pop culture that we might have initially rejected on Popping Callers. Find out what shows or movies we're giving a second chance. Speaking of comebacks, Greg has a special interview with the creators of a documentary called Bobby Joe Under the Influence hear how they discovered this uplifting story and were able to bring it to the big screen on our latest pop life profile. Our resurrection theme continues on this month's Going on 30, where we explore life, death, and what lies beyond with the movie Ghost. Don't miss part two of our April Fool's shenanigans. Finally, we wrap up the month with the Sacred Six featuring Eric Matoye. We look back at the classic chapter of The Wire, Middle Ground. It's arguably the best episode ever of the best television show ever. Thanks for listening, and keep those collars popped! Hi, this is Donna Jones. I'm with my husband, Brent Jones. We're filmmakers. We made the movie Bobby Joe Under the Influence, and you are listening to Popping Collars.
1: Welcome to Popping Collars, the podcast with a surveillance camera set up at the intersection of Religion Avenue and Pop Culture Boulevard. (laughs) I'm your host for tonight, Ricardo Avila, rector at St. Luke's Los Gatos. With me are my co-hosts, Betsy Carmody. Betsy, where are you? What's up? Uh, Not much.
2: I am here in beautiful Alexandria, Virginia at the Episcopal High School, where our students are. I think there's spring breaking, but now we're virtual, but they're going to get ready to come back. They're going to come back for seven more weeks to close out the end of the, this weird and wild school year together.
1: Thank you, Betsy. Also with us is the inimitable Liz Easton. Liz, tell us where you are and what you're up to. Hey,
2: Ricardo,
0: I am coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska where I serve as the canon to the ordinary of the Diocese of Nebraska. And I'm very excited that I announced here on Popping Callers, you were the first to hear that I gave up coffee for Lent. It's been a long journey. There have been ups and there have been downs. And I'm very happy to return to my old vice and celebrate the resurrection
1: with coffee (laughs) again. (laughs) Gosh, thank you, Liz. Yeah, coffee is- I'm pretty, It
0: turns out I'm pretty moody, is all I'm going to say. I'm, that coffee masked a kind of adolescent moodiness
3: that mm. was revealed. They're like, put the mask back on,
0: Liz.
1: <laughs> That's
3: exactly it. We've seen too much. That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah, Liz didn't get an Easter basket full of eggs. Uh, she got a, a box of Keurig K-Cups. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Liz.
3: Also with us is the great Greg Knight. Greg, Aww. what's up? Uh, not much, Ricardo. Greg Knight, I'm down here in Palm Beach, Florida, where I work at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea as the Director of Children and Youth Ministries. We, well, we have just done Easter, which I think I talked about on our book club episode. So if I'm repeating, you guys are just going to have to deal. But we did 10 services. 10 Easter services on Easter Day. Here was the amazing plan. We have three clergy that are on staff at Bethesda. So we set them up at three different locations around the church property and they ran services simultaneously. So there would be three services going on at the same time at different locations around the property. Three times, and then one sunrise service. That's So 10 total services. Wow.
1: Thank you, Greg. Okay, well, today's topic is second chances, where we each discuss a pop culture artifact that we initially rejected, but then went on to give a second chance and soon embraced like a long lost love that almost got away. You know, it kind of reminds me of the gospel of Luke. Because if I had one title to give to the Gospel of Luke, and I can speak as an expert here because I have served at three different parishes named St. Luke's, Long Beach, San Francisco, and Los Gatos in 10 years. If I had to give one title to the Gospel of Luke, I would call it the Gospel of Second Chances. Here's my little preaching moment. Examples abound in Luke of outcasts being restored, of losers being loved once more. So only in Luke you hear the story of the 10 leper outcasts who are healed, given a second chance to rejoin their community, and that Samaritan who runs back to say thanks to Jesus. Only Luke tells the story of the prodigal son who comes back, We hear the criminal dying on the cross saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And only Luke's gospel has Zacchaeus, my favorite New Testament supporting actor character, that short little tax collector who collaborates with the Romans, but then has a transformative moment when he encounters Jesus. So just like the gospel of Luke, tonight we will speak of Second Chances as our guiding light and discuss pop culture that came home to our embrace once more.
0: That's good. Wasn't Zacchaeus your wedding gospel?
1: Yes, it was. Partly because he was short and we were married on St. Luke's Day, October 18th. So full circle. Wow. So the gospel of, I mean, (laughs) the podcast of Second Chances. So we're going to talk about those things that we realized weren't so bad after all. Now, how we're going to do this is, it's not the wheel anymore, I think. Are we back to the it is well with my soul bag? We yeah, are. Nice. We are indeed. Nice. We are going old school. So Greg is going to pick a token from the bag with one of our initials on it. And... Because
2: I'm not going to give the wheel a second chance. <laughs> <I'm just kidding
1: laughs> right <now>. Yeah, Betsy, <laughs> Betsy cursed the wheel into
3: oblivion. <laughs> 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 Uh, Well, you may as well just keep talking, Ricardo. Oh, Oh, first. The bag bag has chosen thee.
1: Wow. You know, I used to complain about always being chosen last. And I got to say, it's looking pretty nice these days. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, there is one glaring TV show that I used to watch religiously. And in fact, I was proposed to during a commercial break. Uh, but lo and behold, I only watched about three episodes of the final season and um haven't seen the rest since. And that show is Lost. Oh. Yeah. I watched wow. all of Lost um until I can't even remember. But um, and it's been hard because for whatever reason I, I heard it got really violent and I wasn't in a place to be able to watch that or something, like the last few episodes or maybe everybody dies. I don't, don't give it away, but um, I just stopped watching it and I've never gone back. And now I'm at a point where I feel like I have to watch the entire thing from the start all over again. I can't just pick up where I left off. And that's kind of too much to take on. I expect to give lost a second chance because I, every once in a while, (laughs) this is going to sound strange, but when I'm feeling kind of sick or paranoid or hypochondriacal, And I think, oh, my God, I'm having a heart attack when it's just like a little, I don't know, mini stroke or something. Um, I think I never watched Lost. I never finished watching Lost. So (laughs) I've got to I've got to probably get on that uh, before I die.
0: When your life flashes before your eyes, you see that you didn't finish Lost.
1: Well, when I start worrying about like, what if something what if this is really serious and I go to the hospital or something Probably one of the first eight things that comes to mind is that I didn't finish lost. So lost is something, you know, it's still out there as a prodigal son and I'm am I'm actually probably the prodigal son that needs to come home to it. But yeah, w- William uh, proposed during a commercial uh of Lost one day. He watched it with me for about a season and then he just thought it was ridiculous. So <laughs> he turns to me at the commercial and he says, "Sweetie, if I were to ask you to marry me, would you say yes?" and I said, "What?" and he he said, well, he repeated it. And I said, well, what do you mean? And I said, I, 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 yeah, of course. And so he got on his knee and he said, verily, he said this verily I plight my troth to thee, Ricardo Avila. Wilt thou marry me? Literally. And
4: oh, of course
2: not, he not, did. not shocked at all. Not, not, yeah, not shocked no. in any way.
1: Anyone Over who him. knows William. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I, of course, was not happy. I said, this is not how you do it. You don't do it during a commercial break. You have to get the violins at the nice restaurant or you've got to have it, you know, on the uh, have the airplane do the, the little puff puff in the sky. And he said, well, I love you and I want you. I want to marry you now. What do you say? And I said, oh, yeah, fine. Yes. OK. And then we sat back down and the commercial was over. So and nothing did you keep watching the show?
2: <laughs> nothing inspired me more than the mystery behind the Dharma initiative. That's right. Yeah. The question.
1: That must have have been it. Well, yeah, we did. We finished watching the episode. I was a little miffed. Lost is my second chance yet to be.
4: What is it like? Checkers?
5: No, really. It's a better game than checkers. You play checkers with your pop?
4: No. I live in Australia with my mom.
5: You have no accent.
4: Yeah, I know. We move a lot. She got sick. She died a couple of weeks ago.
5: You're having a bad month. I guess. Backgammon's the oldest game in the world. Archaeologists found sets when they excavated the ruins of ancient Mesopotamia. 5,000 years old. That's older than Jesus Christ. Did they have dice and stuff? but theirs weren't made of plastic. Their dice were made of bones. Of course. Two players, two sides. One is light, one is dark. Do you think if you
3: rewatched it, especially when you got to the episode where William proposed to you, that like the memories of the past would start flooding back? So here's the thing.
1: I've also not finished watching Mad Men. And all I have to do is watch the second half of season seven. And I don't know what happened. I just sort of, you know, so I've got to watch. That's worth
0: it. That's worth it.
2: Yeah. What is this? What do you do you like to not close stuff out? That's what I'm kind of hearing here is that you leave it hanging out there. So then there's no finality. There's no mourning the show ending. There's no, you know any of that i wonder it what lives other parts of your life you yeah, yeah so forever <laughs> you know
1: relationships
2: i wonder it makes me feel like maybe you're like an enneagram 7 or something i don't mm. know i'm curious about that do you
3: finish long. books or yeah. do you have situations where you don't finish books oh i
1: almost always finish books i do in mm. fact i just finished war and peace oh yeah, friends
3: 1215 who needs lost who needs lost
2: (laughs) there are no there are no polar bears in that but i i I think that's a great accomplishment
1: it is quite a feat and that i have finished and i would say that part of it you're right is a little bit of like i don't know i don't know what it is there's probably something psychological going on there but i do want to get back to them i really do that's it that's my choice but what else does the it is well with my soul bag have to say for who's next
3: it has fallen to me greg uh, well it's funny ricardo that i'm following you because i i kind of i'm i'm doing the betsy special i've got i've got two things which i guess isn't the betsy special
2: i don't it's do just, that. That,
3: <laughs> it's just that,
2: ricardo ricardo comes in i have four things
3: <laughs> it's just that i know that betsy's going to say something when i say that i have two things i know but one's like a small thing my small thing is charles dickens related though <gasps> i know yeah confess. So, so when I was in ninth grade English, uh, we were assigned to read great expectations and I read the first chapter and didn't read any more of the novel and I flunked the test and
2: cliff notes. No, I got
3: kicked out of honors English the next year oh, <laughs> and, um, you know, life goes on. However, I rediscovered that I still had this book, like sometime in like college, like I found you know great expectations hiding in the back of the closet, and I was like, Well, let's read this book that got me kicked out of you know Honors English in high school. See what happens. And I ended up reading it and I fell in love with it. I think what really connected with me when I was younger and read it, and why I wish I had read it when I was in ninth grade, is that I think what Dickens hits on in that novel is something that I've started to realize, which is that I don't necessarily notice a difference in the person who I am versus the person who I was at 18, except to say that the person that I am now doesn't feel things quite as intensely as the 18-year-old version of me. So like every feeling that I had when I was younger, it was like, heightened right so if it was like if i was in love i was obsessively in love if i had a crush i was obsessively crushing and pip kind of does that have have you (laughs) have you
0: considered have you considered giving up coffee
3: (laughs) no never
2: (laughs) okay
0: because i'm just if you want to revisit that time in your life giving up coffee you might do it just (laughs) just just from personal lenten experience
2: and if you're not going to read a book you're not going to read a book and you're going to fail that test and you're going to get kicked out of that class. I love the peek into our psyches of this, the defiance disorder happening over there. Okay.
3: That's right. So anyway, I only bring that up to say that this is a, this is a novel that I abandoned early on in life. Uh, Probably should have read that I eventually did read and appreciated
1: you know, if you had read it, you might not even know us. You might like own a podcast empire or something because you would have learned some lessons from it. Who knows?
3: I'm sure I would have self-sabotaged some other way. But no, my real thing is actually uh, something that I have rediscovered recently within the past year during the pandemic, which is that I have come back to Mark Marin's podcast, WTF. Now- Mark Barron's podcast is not for everybody. However, three significant things happened in his life over the past year. One was the pandemic, which prevented him from being able to do stand-up and to have people come to his garage to do his podcasts and all of that stuff. The second thing was the cancellation of GLOW. Um, and I think the cancellation came out of left field for the cast. Certainly, he seems to indicate that it came out of left field for them. And then the third thing is that his fiancée, Lynn Shelton, died uh lynn shelton who made the really great movie if you ever get a chance to check it out called sword of trust that was i think that was the last thing that she made
0: she's a great seattle director
3: did not know that
0: big feature in seattle scene my friend tomo was in her movie touchy feely which is also a great movie mm-hmm. with elliot page it's a very sweet movie
3: So the Marin podcast for the past year is the same as usual, like, you know, celebrities come on and talk about whatever. And he does kind of quasi therapy in his interviews and stuff. But it's also been tinged with grief and he's totally open about it
4: and vulnerable about it. And he admits to otherwise. But I was I was able to exist in a state of self-acceptance because of. Her love for me. And I made her laugh all the time. And she made me laugh and we were happy. We laughed a lot. We played Crazy Eights. We cooked food together. We traveled. We wrote. (laughs) I'll I'll talk more about Things we did together, but I just wanted you guys to know because the last time I talked to you, I thought she had like strep throat. She thought she had strep throat, and we went immediately. She went immediately and got a COVID nineteen test, and it was negative. And she met with her doctor online, and you know we treated it as strep throat. You know, and and on Thursday I said we got you know we've got to go in. We've got I don't know why this fever isn't going down. And she made an appointment to go in the next day. So we were going to go to the doctor for blood tests on Friday. And then in the middle of the night, I heard her collapse in the hallway on her way to the bathroom. And I got up and she was on the floor and she couldn't move. She was conscious but delirious a bit. I called 911. They came and they got her. And that was the last time I saw her alive was on the floor being taken away. And over the course of the day, there was never any good news.
3: So, you know, when he does his monologues to start the show, he'll talk about where he is in life [SSS1] and and how like like, he had to get to a Zoom meeting that week because he wasn't in a good place um, because everything's crashing down on him like a wave. And he needed to talk to his, you know, his sponsor and he needed to he needed to get right again. Uh, He'll talk to his guests about his brokenness. And where they're broken in life. It's become therapeutic in a way that I've sort of found helpful, which is to say that he's also this very sort of raw person, just kind of talking about feelings and emotions uh, right now. And for me, anyway, that's been a really good thing to to sort of rediscover. um, Because I listened to a show back in the day, you know, when he and like, Ricky Gervais, were like the only people podcasting. But now, like his show is different. He is different. And, uh, and it's been a nice thing to sort of rediscover. And you realize that like, you know, when, especially about a topic like second chances that we're talking about today, you know, he's living his second chance and it's not easy. It's never easy. Like, you know, he's an addict and he's constantly in recovery and none of it's ever easy, especially when grief hits you really hard. So it's been nice to sort of hear his story of second chances as uh, as his podcast has been a second chance for me over this past year. Wow,
1: nice Greg.
2: And it's it is interesting what going through trauma does to people and how like I have a I have a friend here and she's she's so fascinating and she talks about being just this different person on the other side like we did an Enneagram workshop here and she's like I think I was another number before this happened to me. And now I'm living in this different way than I was before. And it's not that either one is better or worse than the other. I am just different and transformed by this moment. That's, that's fascinating. I would be, I might give him another try.
3: Hey,
2: second
1: chance.
2: Second chance.
1: Thank you, Greg. Dickens and Marin. You're welcome. And now... (laughs) The magic bag calls on Liz. Liz, <laughs> Liz,
2: bag. who the 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 listeners should know, Liz is sat now. I think in four or five different places in her home. <laughs> None of the chairs look more comfortable than the last. I mean, maybe they are. I I want to get you a big comfy chair, Liz, or something. Yeah, I have
0: a this chair's kind of comfy. Oh, wait, you can't see it. I'm having some technical difficulties. This is a real pandemic problem that my um I can no longer zoom from home. Like, my Wi-Fi does not support Zoom, so mm. it's, it's very frustrating. Um, wow. I just need to update all my routers and stuff. But anyway, so I'm using my phone as a hotspot right now, which means a lot of things had to be plugged in to accomplish this episode of Popping Callers. It's my turn. It is. Um, okay, so my second chance is... Um, Probably a lot of you didn't have to give this a second chance. You just ate it up on the first chance. But mine is the now 30-year-old Academy Award-sweeping classic thriller Hmm. Silence of the Lambs.
1: Mm -hmm. Whoa. Oh.
0: I know. And so here's my story with Silence of the Lambs. I think that I first encountered it probably in, like, junior high where like the cool girls were like have you seen this movie it's the scariest movie in the world it's so scary and it um they hyped it up to me that i really believed that i did not have the capacity to watch silence of the lambs that it was so <laughs> scary like life changingly scary that i just couldn't watch it and i've tried over the years like if it was on tv i was like okay i'll give it a chance but whatever I had in my mind, my preconceptions would just freak me out too much. And finally in the year of our Lord, 2020, when we were all a little spooked, I thought now's the time I'm just going to watch silence of the lambs. That is an excellent movie. <laughs> it's, like, it's I had no idea. Movie. I think I was picturing that it would be something a little cheaper Like I thought that it would be more um, horror. And I know that some horror enthusiasts will claim it as part of their genre. And there are definitely horror elements, but it's not gory at all, which is part of why it's so scary. There's like one gory scene. But for the most part, it's super um, the gore is in your imagination. You know, it's very psychological and alluded to. There's so much that I appreciated about it. But the main thing that I took away from it is just um, the character of Clarice Starling, who, especially as she is portrayed, I've now read the whole Hannibal Lecter trilogy, which was a pandemic rabbit hole that I wish I had not gone down. <laughs> but um, I think that the film is, is better than the book and certainly better than the other books in the trilogy but anyway she's portrayed so beautifully by Jodie Foster and there's this aspect of the film which I think is really striking in that it was written and directed by men there's always this sense of her being watched whether she's being watched by the other FBI agents and trainers at Quantico she's watched of course by Hannibal Lecter she's being watched, whether it's sort of the objectifying sexualized male gaze or a more like evaluative sexist male gaze. And she's this terrific character who is also not a maverick. She is a woman who is great at her job because she learned how to do her job. She doesn't possess a superpower or a special skill. She's doing what she learned how to do and was trained how to do with real um, determination and kind of grit.
2: Well, and I love your point about that she isn't somebody who's like, she's just, you know, has some sort of superpower. She's a computer genius or she's a whatever. It's like, she's just really, really good at her job. And that often when we Mm -hmm. see women who are in those lead roles, it's because there's something special and unique about them that has gotten them to that place as opposed to, they're just really good at their job and they do their job as opposed to being some sort of savant about something.
0: There's a great scene where she talks to her boss. I forget his name that he sort of um, dismisses her in a group of men. And later on, and he's her supervisor. She calls him out privately and says like, look, all the other cops look to you to see how you treat me. And you need to treat me with more respect. And it's just like every woman has had, if not that conversation, the desire to have that conversation. I thought it was really powerful, especially at that time.
3: I love this idea of like the trauma that something can have on you as like a kid, that it like prevents you from even opening the door to something going forward. I I love that idea that you brought up, that, that idea that like something can like the image that you make in your head of something, especially when you're young can affect like how you see that thing moving forward in life.
0: Since we're doing deep dives into our psyches today, one of the things that I don't think I appreciated until I was older was that as a kid, and this is a kid through adolescence, like through into my young adulthood, I had a good sense of what I wasn't ready for yet. And and that movie fits into that, that like all of my little friends at a sleepover were like, Oh, we've got to watch this. And I'd be like,
2: you know, I'm going (laughs) to,
0: I'm going to like peace out here. I'm not ready for that. And I'm, and I'm grateful for it, especially because then I got to have the experience later of actually appreciating it and not just
1: being terrified. I've always wondered about silence of the lambs. Like, didn't she, she had some trauma or she saw like sheep being slaughtered or something. I never quite understood what that was about and it made her who she is. Did you understand that? Or yeah, she well,
4: couldn't she,
0: save the lambs. Yeah, she had a traumatic childhood. And one of the interesting things I think about the film, about that this back and forth that she has with Lecter, because it's when he sort of comes to really respect and love her, is he keeps trying to make that trauma sexual. Did this happen? Did your uncle do this? Did your father do this? And she's just like, no. But, you know, she she was um, a foster child. She, I mean, she had a traumatic childhood. And at one point, she um, was present when oh, these lambs Daddy. were being slaughtered on a farm and she couldn't save the lambs. I crept up into the
4: barn. I was, I was so scared to look inside, but
5: I had to. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Lambs. They were slaughtering the spring lambs.
4: And they were screaming.
5: And you ran away?
4: No.
2: First I tried to free them. I I opened the gate to their pen,
5: but they wouldn't run. They just stood there, confused. They wouldn't run. But you could, and you did, didn't you? Yes. I took
2: one lamb and I ran away as fast as I
5: could. Where were you going, Glory?
2: I don't know. I didn't have any food, any water, and it was very cold, was very cold. I thought, I thought if I could save just one, but he
1: was so heavy. It was so heavy. The rancher was so angry, he sent me to
2: live at the Lutheran Orphanage and Postman. I never saw a ranch again.
5: What became of your lamb, Glory? You still wake up sometimes, don't you? You wake up in the dark and hear the screaming of the lambs. Yes. And you think if you save poor Catherine, you could make them stop, don't you? You think if Catherine lives, you won't wake up in the dark ever again to that awful screaming of the lambs.
3: So we'll we'll save it for going on 30. Next year, when we yeah. talk about the silence of the lamps, Ooh. that's right.
2: Right. Nice. Coming up. Coming okay, up. Okay.
1: Well, thank you, Liz. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. And we've got one more chip, one, one more token with a more. B on it. Uh, that's
2: so, so mine is something from a long time ago, and and I I also did kind of a dive around. What is what? How do I watch and consume things? I'm a person who gets pot committed. So I don't back off even when things become bad. Uh, Like I'll admit it. I still watch Grey's Anatomy, you know, and I'm not going (laughs) to stop. I'm going to watch that damn show until it ends. And I'm not going to leave when Sandro leaves. I'm not going to, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, it's hard for me to let go. People have called me. I'm a bit of a loyalist. So I think that's definitely a part of it in high school or in actual say middle school or as we called it, junior high. Uh, in junior high, what was really popular, particularly among the boys, if I think about what boys would be wearing, right? They would be wearing jeans that were a little beat up, not like super holy, but you know, kind of faded. And that you, know, you could tell the fabric was like really soft and they have like kind of a woven belt type thing, brown. And they would be wearing a tie-dye t-shirt that had the winged Led Zeppelin Angel on it you know, with arms outstretched, right? And that was like the uniform of middle school for a large portion of boys that I went to school with, including the boy who was my first boyfriend at school. Dear Sweet Bill, he made me this mixtape that was all late 60s, 70s rock.
1: Ooh. Hey, hey,
0: mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove.
2: And, you know, songs that really like talk a lot about love and and things like that, things in a way where I'm like, this is making me a little bit uncomfortable because but boys aren't listening to the lyrics. I was like, what does he mean? What 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 does he want for me? Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) It's just read totally into. Right sewing our heads right as as like ninth graders so so he makes me this tape and i'm over here like i like the cure i like rem like what is this stuff you know i didn't have parents who were hippies or anything like that like that's sort of that i was not as into like aside from you too like rock music was not really my thing i was your alternative like that sort of person. So I really was like, thanks for this mixtape because, you know, everyone knows if you lived in that time, receiving a mixtape was really great. But that I was really like, thanks, but no thanks. And so then it actually wasn't that long later in high school when, you know, I'm with, hanging with my church camp friends and people have guitars and people are singing and playing and doing stuff, I suddenly found Jimmy Page, found the Rolling Stones and I found Led Zeppelin in that classic rock again in a way that that has desire involved in it, that has all these different things. And it, it just hits these notes of being a little bit. And what I loved about it was that it wasn't so polished, right? It just felt more alive. And I I just, I loved it. I don't need to go down a dark magic wormhole to really get what Led Zeppelin was up to. But I enjoy that all that stuff is in there and it feels kind of witchy and interesting and dangerous. And I really, I found it and I loved it. And I had, you know, written it off a few years before and then got back into it. And it's made me, I think, a more diverse listener across the course of my life in music. But that's my second chance.
0: It sounds like you need to really apologize to Bill.
1: Look it him up.
2: Like I do. I mean, I don't give think Bill i ever a told him. Him. <laughs> <laughs> You need to give Bill a second chance. Do I? I do. Yeah.
1: Betsy, I have a lot of things. I've got like <laughs> seven <laughs> things. <laughs> wow.
3: Oh, no. Um, oh, my gosh. Betsy,
1: first of all, you need to give Bill a second chance because that would make a great Hallmark special. She had a Christian <laughs> podcast, and the episode was on Second Chance. <laughs> And she remembered Bill and the mixtape. And he was
0: listening, up. he was driving in his car yes. and all of and he was listening and he was like, Oh my God.
3: Oh, We're you've so got middle. the mixtape in the shoebox. You've got the mixtape in the shoebox. He's yes. like covered in dust With, and you're like
2: Hallmark <sighs> movie in my life. Oh, we've done this to Greg.
3: We all will get our own Hallmark movie at And some then point. you put the mixtape in and it's like That
2: might have been the first song. That might've been.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill is great. Mixtapes are awesome. That's the other thing. Mixtapes. Awesome. I wish, I wish we could go back in time and do not even mix CDs, but mix tapes. I spent hours making mixtapes and mix CDs for friends over the years. It was, it was so blissful.
2: I would recommend as we're getting back into the weather being nicer one of my colleagues here at school who has been a guest on this podcast steve castle who did our friday night lights podcast he will do mixtape mondays sometimes where we will in the summertime sit outside and people bring mixtapes and mix cd's from their past to Cute. share with the room it's really it's really fun cuz it's a, it's a story and a memory and an experience that you just kind of step back into
3: wow That's awesome. Yeah, It's cool. We need to give mixtapes a second chance is what we're saying. That's where we have arrived at on this show. That's
2: true.
3: That's right. Um, Okay. Well, gosh, those were awesome second chances. And I got
1: to say, we we really ran the uh, genre gamut from uh, TV shows to podcasts to mixtapes to movies. So what in your life needs a second chance? Ponder that, if you will. You never know. It might reveal something about your own
3: psyche like we have today. Where can people find our podcast on the intertubes?
1: Well, that's it for popping collars. And you can find us on the internet, wherever you found us to listen to today's podcast, including poppingcollarspodcast.com. You know what? Just type in popping collars. And we're so popular that um, at least on my computer, (laughs) we come up first.
0: You can find us on episcopalcafe.com
1: that wonderful website that everybody loves you can find us there we love them we know you will too just a reminder we are the longest running episcopal podcast in history yeah, so we are. you every time you listen to us you are you are taking a piece of history into your heart
3: and mind and if you used to listen to us back in the day when our audio was terrible and greg didn't know what he was doing when he was editing the episodes give us a second chance Jump back in. That's right. Remember Zacchaeus and the prodigal
1: son, they got second chances. Maybe we deserve one too. So that's it for popping collars, if I didn't say that before. So we'll see you next time and keep those collars popped.
2: Pop, pop, pop.